This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. In today's episode, we're going to talk about World War III and also some social media trends to look out for. Enjoy. Welcome to the Age of Jeremy. My name is Jeremy Quintanilla. I'm the founder and CEO of Few Consolidated Limited. We focus on investing and creating businesses in media, entertainment, finance, investing, and insurance, education and e-learning, arts, music, and the humanities, earth and human sustainability, and advancement, and earth and space exploration and transportation. I hope I broke that up properly. I don't think I did, according to the commas. Our current businesses include 32 Warrior Academy, Q Financial, Age of Radio, and Merlin, just to name a few. You can find me on all socials at Age of Jeremy, except on X, it's at Age of Jeremy Q. And on Facebook, it's Cesar Jeremy Quintanilla, because I needed my name to match my driver's license for some reason. There are links in the episode description, so make sure that you follow me along all of the journey. If you're new to this podcast, this is all about the trials and tribulations I go through to build my business empire, and I hope you pick up some wisdom along the way. I also have guests that share their trials and tribulations occasionally, becoming content creators and the adventures they have gone through to become entrepreneurs. And what I meant by that is I have guests on here occasionally to do that. If you want to check out Coach Shavy's Financial Blueprint, from going to his mother's couch to building financial freedom. There is a link in my link tree in the episode description below. If you don't know who Coach DV is, go check him out on TikTok. It is a warrior's guide to financial freedom. It is absolutely free. Please also join my Q Consolidated channel in my Age of Jeremy Instagram account. I provide extra insight on all the things that I have going on in business and in my life. Hopefully, you will find some wisdom in it. Again, it is free to join, just like that warrior's guide to financial freedom absolutely free. Also, make sure to check out ageradio.com to see all of our amazing podcasts. We will all be adding we will be adding more podcasts soon. If you have a podcast, make sure to check out to see how you can join up to be a part of our amazing network. Um, you can also join our amazing community of content consumers and content creators at our Addicted to Podcasting Facebook group. All are welcome. All right, let's dive in. So in this week's main news. I would like to talk about the latest of what's going on with Israel. Israel death toll rises to 700 and the U.S. sends carrier Israeli military struck targets in the Gaza Strip on Sunday, setting off fiery explosions and causing a building to collapse. Um, 
according to APTN, which is the source. Some of this is coming from uh, Bloomberg's news article, which I will put a link in the episode description. Also, I'm not affiliated with Bloomberg. I'm a big fan of Bloomberg. Go make sure that you subscribe to Bloomberg. Israel said at least 700 were killed in the country since Hamas attacked as fighting continued for a second day. This started on Saturday October 7th, I believe. Um, the fighting continued for the second day, which is today, Sunday, when I'm recording this on October 8th. You won't be hearing it till October 10th. The U.S. said it's moving a six-vessel air- aircraft carrier strike group to the eastern Mediterranean and is augmenting its fighter aircraft squadrons in the region. The Israeli army has regained control over some areas that were breached by militants from the Gaza Strip in violence that erupted Saturday. At least 370 Palestinians have been killed in fighting and retaliatory attacks. The operation by Hamas, which included taking scores of Israeli hostages, uh, was an unprecedented incursion that has shaken regional stability and markets. Israeli officially declared war and says it won't stop until Hamas military infrastructure is dismantled, a task that seems likely to include a ground invasion and may take months. All right. So the reason why I'm bringing to you this is one, um, and again, I respect everybody's views and especially my um, my good friends inside of the academy and outside of the academy in regards to not watching news. I take a different stance on news. I have a two-part stance on making sure that you understand what's going on in the world on in the world. If seeing what's going on in the world causes you anxiety and you don't have any way to cleanse your aura or to cleanse your alignment, um, I like to cleanse the aura because all of that negativity sticks to our aura and then causes us to be depressed. It can cause us to have different, uh, you know, um, um, anxiety problems, feelings around some stuff, mainly anxiety and depression, I would imagine. If you are not doing that and you're not having that in your life, then I don't necessarily recommend um, watching the news or participating in the news. On the flip side, if you are if you are okay with those types of things and you have practices like yoga, um, aura cleansing, maybe the, uh, the middle, uh, middle pillar ritual, which is an aura cleansing exercise. That's a part of uh, mysticism, um, or you plan and, and you clean your chakras on a regular basis. Then I think you should be looking at the news as much as possible to know what's on in the world. So you can make, understand what's happening. You can make predictions of the future and it can help you understand what's happening in financial markets. And that's why it's super, super important. Uh, you know, like Warren Buffett, he reads three or four newspapers a day. I have uh, subscriptions to Bloomberg. Uh, I used to have Wall Street Journal. I'm I'm going to pick that one back up, get the Financial Times, the Arizona Republic. Um, but I have uh, access to most of it, news feeds on my phone. But I think reading the magazine and the newspaper is even better. But I think it's really, really un- good to understand what's going on in the world. Um, and I don't think that we should shelter ourselves with that. I think we should look at things exactly as they are so that we know how to make future decisions um, based off for ourselves, for the ones that we loved. And if you're a leader, so you can make good decisions as a leader in your business and so forth, because all of these things affect your business. And if you don't know what's going on with that, then you can't utilize what's happening to see what's going to be coming. And an example of this is we're a high consumer, um, consumer discretionary, um, company, right? And what I mean by that is 3-2-R Academy. If you, the more consumer discretionary income that people have, the more likely they are going to join our, um, 
company. When those things start to change in the economy, the first things to go are things like the 3 2 Warrior Academy, whether or not in the long run it has a much greater benefit to you than some of the other things. It's just that it is a discretionary income spend. It's not a requirement. Now, whether or not you argue with me if you should be doing that, that's a completely different story, but that's traditionally how it happens. So knowing what's happening in the economy can affect your business and you need to understand that. So you need to know what to do into the future so that you can make assessments and predict and so forth and so forth. So that's why it's really good to understand what's happening in the economy. The other thing that's really good or in the world so you can understand what's happening in the economy. The other thing about this is it's really beneficial to you for you to kind of know what's going on, especially since this is kind of a catalyst, in my opinion, that's going to lead us into possibly a world conflict or World War III, as we would like to say it. And I've only had one post that's ever been taken down, and it was a post that I did on TikTok about how we need a world war to usher in a new financial infrastructure and a new world order. And so whether or not this is all by design or these are things that kind of happen cyclically throughout time, and it's and you could predict that these things were happening, it is likely that this is going to or push the United States into a war against um, Hamas and or the Palestinians because the conflict between Israel and Palestine, even though Hamas is one of the major political groups of Palestine and they own the Gaza Strip, is that they are technically a terrorist group, but what would probably happen is that this would push us into some type of a, rela- a stronger relationship with Israel to help protect them and fight against Hamas. And then what that could do is because Putin has said that he supports the Palestinian breakaway from uh, as an independent state from, say, Israel, is that is that that now creates Palestine and Russia as an ally. So then you would have China, Russia, and Palestine. And again, I'm not a political um commentator or a uh, foreign uh, foreign uh, uh, foreign policy expert on this. Um, in fact, one of the things that I love, one of the companies that I love or organizations that I love is the Council on Foreign Relations. I watch a lot of their YouTube. I have them pulled up right now. Go check out Council on Foreign Relations so you can get a better sense of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and the place that the U.S. has on it. Because what could happen is if we go into this, that now pushes the United States into some kind of conflict where we have Israel as our allies, and then Russia, Palestine, North Korea, and um, China would all become allies. And then I'm assuming because it's the Chinese, then the Japanese are going to become our allies. They would help support us if something happened. And again, we now are ushering ourselves closer to a worldwide conflict. Um, And so now, again, not saying that this is specifically by design in any way, because I don't I don't subscribe to that piece. I, I subscribe to people doing the best that they can with the ridiculous amount of information they have. And there is not a small secret order that is uh, controlling the entire world. I don't just I don't subscribe to that. I don't believe in it. I don't think that there is a enough evidence to specifically support that. Are there people that try to push things in their direction and it can make us seem like there is an underground elite order of people that are ushering this? Of course I do. And so it, but I don't want to say that this is all specifically by design. What I think is happening is we're moving in to a next era of a world war. It's going to create a new world order. It's going to create a new infrastructure and banking system. And this is what's starting to happen. And this event is the thing that's going to push us closer to it because of our ties with Israel. Now, whether or not I believe the Palestinians should have a specific state, and again, I am not saying that the Palestinians, Palestine in general, supports Hamas actions, but be Hamas being a specific terrorist group. I am just saying that I believe that this will create the different access and allies powers um, that would then create the concept of the World War Three as we move forward. So that being said, that being said, to get 
involved with the Council on Foreign Relations, I highly recommend it. And I'm looking at a what is the U.S. policy on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And so uh, I'm going to go over a brief, the brief summary points of this and on Hamas. And so, in summary, the decades-long conflict between Israelis and Palestinians is rooted in competing claims to the specific Holy Land and includes disputes over borders, Jerusalem, security, and Palestinian refugees. So the Palestinians believe that they should have control over the Holy Land. The Israelis believe that they should have control over the Holy Land, and they're all fighting over a piece of land. Um, And so the United States has long sought a solution to the conflict that results in two states, although the Trump administration adopted policies that diverge from that specific goal, which is one of the things is that traditionally the United States will side with Israel. Um, and then if you have liberals that are supportive of both of them having, you know, Palestine and both of them having their own state, which is what I personally subscribe to, is that is that then you are considered to be anti-Semitic. And if that's the case, then fine, call me anti-Semitic. I don't believe in God and don't give two fucks what happens <laughs> with Christians, their holy land or whatever, because the holy land means nothing to me. And so that being said, if Palestine and if Palestine, but what I think from a logical perspective, if you're having two warring states, then both of them should have a specific state and they should learn to share the holy land together because that makes the most logical sense. And so when we look at it that way, it's possibly not going to be possible because both of them subscribe to that their religion is the right religion and the other religion is the wrong religion, which is one of the main freaking problems with religion. And so that being said, the Trump administration kind of diverged from those policies. And now that the Biden administration is back, he's starting to seems to be very supportive of Israel. So I don't know what's going to happen with those. All I can tell you is what has happened in the past when a conflict is going on with Ukraine and Russia at a large scale where we are inadvertently supplying them. Well, we are directly supplying them with um, weapons. And I think that uh, that South Korea, there's another place that's inadvertently supplying them with weapons. And so when you have that kind of conflict going on between multiple countries, and then you have had the China Taiwanese or China Taiwan situation, and then we usher into this Israeli conflict, that is, in my opinion, the starting of how you would get a conflict that eventually becomes World War Three. I am not supportive of that. I am very active on peace, um, and I would consider myself a hypocritical pacifist, I guess you could say, because I do enjoy weapons and guns and fighting, but I do not want harm to anybody and I want there to be world peace. In fact, I would prefer we go towards the end times in world peace. And that is one of the biggest problems that I have with scripture in general is that the closer that we get to world peace and one world order, the uh, more likely that it is that we are going to that it is the mark of the beast, which is essentially designed to keep us all separated and apart from each other, where it would make more sense for us to have one world order because eventually we will have multiple worlds. Um, and that's going into a different completely different conversation. So the United States has long sought a solution to the conflict that results in two states, although the Trump administration adopted policies that diverge from that goal. The Biden administration has reaffirmed U.S. support for a two-state solution. So I guess I should have read that before I said that before, even though he is showing support for Israeli against the Hamas situation. Uh, two states, but hasn't moved to restart negotiations. So in the time that Biden has been in office, he has not restarted those negotiations. It has instead promoted Israeli Arab normalization and resumed aid for Palestine. So we have actually been pushing aid into the Palestine people. Um, And then at this time now, Hamas, which are Palestinians, um, they are a terrorist organization, which is what I'm going to talk about now. They actually did the strike against 
um, Israel, and then Israel declared war on Hamas and have been bombing the Gaza Strip. So, in 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 summary, a spinoff of the Palestine uh, Hamas is a spinoff of the Palestinian branch of the Muslim Brotherhood. In the late 1980s, the Islamist militant group Hamas took over the Gaza Strip after defeating its rival political party, Fatah, in elections in 2006. I apologize if I'm saying that right. I should know how to say it because I took a, um, uh, well, I took a, a, a Islam class, but a lot of, like, we had to learn a lot of the the, the Arabic and the um, uh, Persian language, um, to at least how to say things to understand words, so. My apologies to anybody um, for misspeaking on Fatah. Um, the United States and European Union have designed Hamas a terrorist organization because of its armed resistance against Israel, which has included suicide bombings and rocket attacks, which confuses me because if we're giving aid to the Palestinians or weapons to the Palestinians, couldn't they then be then giving them to Hamas? So could it be our own weapons that are going to Hamas to do these things against Israel, which now we're standing against Israel against Hamas, but we were the ones that fed the weapons to Palestine in the first place, but or gave aid to them anyway. Um, Hamas's 2001 conflict with Israel ended in a ceasefire and raised the group standing among Palestinians, many of whom now favor Hamas's leaders over Fatah's. So essentially, because Palestine has those two political parties and Hamas is the main political party, it could be thought of that this is a war against Israel and Palestine the way that I'm reading it in this article. Um, But essentially, it's Hamas, which is a terrorist organization that did the bombing of Israel, and it's going to continue. and so I think it's really important to know and to keep an eye on what's happening in these kinds of conflicts. Um, I know a lot of people will say that, you know, these are specific narratives, that, 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 that it's a war narrative to hide other stuff that is going on. And that is perfectly fine. That could very, very well be. And so I am not in disagreement of that specifically, but I would recommend that you stay on top of what is going on with this war that has broken out in Israel, along with the war that's going on in Ukraine and being and partake in community, state country and worldwide news so you can make better decisions in financial markets and for your business as the economy changes with these new with this new news the reason why warren buffett and um, charlie munger are able to make really strong decisions when it comes to business is because they are take as much information from the news, right? As much information that they can to assess what's going to happen in the future. And when you can assess what's happened in the future, then you can make better assessments and better decisions for your business and um, for your finances. And with that, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. And I hate to shift gears so far talking about possibility of a world war conflict, but, um, and then going into social media predictions, but I've just been spending so much time on social media, focusing on growing my social media, our social media, getting better at content, hopefully getting better at this podcast, still lots of things to continue to get better at. Uh, but I think that it's good for you as a business owner and as for a content creator or whoever you are, 
um, listening to this to get an idea of some 2023 social media trends that have continued throughout 2023 that will, in my opinion, be going into 2024. And so I think that... um, I think that this is important from a personal brand standpoint. Um, if you're trying to create your own personal brand and you're wanting to do that as a content creator, or you're doing it as a part from something, you know, from wanting to stand apart in your, you know, career, right? I think that it's good to know some of these trends and where they're continuous continuing to go. And so, number one, I think that it's all going to be about authenticity. And so, in um is that rather than jumping on trends on social media, um, in order to stand out, you have to create more original content. And so the more original content that you can create in short form and or long form, the better it's going to be where I think in 2022 and going into 2023 and now coming, getting stronger in 2023 and going into 2024, that's just going to be more prevalent is people want authentic, authentic, authenticity in the content they're producing, especially since we have so much content that we want to consume, the more authentic you are and the more original that you are in your content, whether it's for yourself personally, uh, or if you're trying to build your 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 brand inside of your, your company that you work for, or you're trying to build your brand as an authority in a marketplace, which is something that I'm trying to hopefully do over time, or you're trying to focus on being a content creator, or you have a business that is going to be pushing out content, the originalness of that content and not copying things and or finding trendy things to follow is going to continue to be more popular as our social media companies become more mature and are now reaching into adulthood, I guess you could say. Uh, So that's the very first one is so original content is going to continuously to be key. The other thing that's going to be really strong is if you are a business owner, um, it's a lot of the times when you're a business owner, you're focusing on ads, you're focusing on billboard ads, newspaper ads, commercial ads, social media ads is like, you know, uh, 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 some type of video that you would maybe see on, you know, um, a big, you know, on, on television, but kind of restructuring it to be on social media. And so, so that is great. Um, but what we're going to see now, now in the middle of 2023 and start to get stronger in 2024 is user generated content. And now there's companies like Billio, And I think there's this other brand one where you can go and find um, influencers. You give them like those scripts and you're going to see a lot more user generated content advertising. So rather than going and you hiring someone, you would go find it. And it's kind of like influencer marketing, but it's a little bit different because you're going to use it more on your, your own like your own ads from your company rather than them just spitting it on their social media platforms, you're going to get a mixture of that. Um, so the, you know, they're influencers or creators that get paid to create user generated content, inspired content for your specific brand. Um, and so, so it kind of sounds like a freelance content creation, um, but they'll fill the gap in the market, a marketplace. And so you're going to see those types of content be created even more, but you're going to see it being advertised from your, your business and social media. So the idea is, is that let's say you go onto one of these and you find someone, they make that content, they push that content out, but then you can also take that some of their best ones and you can have those be ads on your social media platform. That's where I see that this is going to specifically go and that user generated content is going to be more prevalent and it's going to get more saturated. And that's what's going to take place from now into 2024. 
Um, the other place that you need to do is YouTube Shorts. Um, YouTube Shorts should be a part of your strategy no matter what you're doing. That's something that I fucking suck at. I'm just being honest. Is I just because it's stuck in 60 seconds. Most of my stuff is over 60 seconds, so it's hard to repurpose that content. So there's two ways to do it. One, you can do remixes from your videos, like this podcast. If it's an MP4 on YouTube, which hopefully it is, um, depending on how much I get done. Um, and so if this is on uh, MP4, and by that I mean it might be a week or two before it shows up on YouTube. But once it's on YouTube you take, I can remix that. I can repurpose that as a 60 second clip into the YouTube short. And then, or you need to have a regular strategy where you're putting out YouTube short content from both remixes of your long form content and then create specific short form content to those specific things. Um, And so that's going to be very, very continue, continue to be very, very important is making sure that you have a short-term strategy for YouTube shorts. And I mean, a long-term strategy for short form content on YouTube shorts. The other thing that you need to make sure that you have is uh, uh, AI. You need to get over if you have this pop problem, you may not have this problem, but if you do have this problem, you need to get over AI, learn chat GPT, learn. I like Bing's the best so far. And then I like Bard and then I like chat GPT, but make sure that you're utilizing AI as best as possible because it can help you speed up certain things. doesn't mean that it needs to make the content for you, but utilizing AI in lots of different capacities can benefit you in a lot of different ways. And there are a lot linked into this thing where they did free course for free courses for a long time um, or for not a long time for short period of time, they did LinkedIn AI courses. So you could go on to LinkedIn, learn about how to utilize AI because artificial intelligence is going to continuously improve and build into a larger economy. And so it's very important if you are a business owner or a content creator that you understand artificial intelligence and that you understand it at a, 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 a little bit of a deeper level and that you can utilize it to your advantage because it's going to save you so much time. So don't don't fear it, learn it and lean into it. And then you can, you know, from there you can fear, it, I guess, all you want as long as you're utilizing it to the best of your advantage. Uh, the other thing is LinkedIn is going to continuously be strong. Now, LinkedIn pulled back a little bit on the kind of content that they, they're they going to be pushing out in their algorithm. And I, I did that either in a podcast episode or on a TikTok or something. But essentially, essentially, excuse me, essentially, they are wanting you to show your authority on LinkedIn. So, for instance, if I'm really good at business and their stocks and or financial markets and or, you know, econ- economics or taxes, if I put that type of content on there, that's the type of content that they're going to look at and then push out because it's all about building your authority in an area of your expertise. And so whether or not you're trying to go up in your company, you need to do that, whether or not you're a personal brand and you're trying to create that brand authority, or you are like me working to create that authority specifically to go into government positions and government positions, I mean, you know, political positions or going into being on boards and helping govern things or being on philanthropic boards. So the goal is, is that you need to utilize LinkedIn to show that type of authority that you have as best as possible and not just the same type of content that you put on, say, TikTok, where TikTok is more of the inter, I don't want to say entertainment. You can still have authentic authoritative content on there. But like if I'm talking about life insurance and I do a post about the benefits of say life insurance, as opposed to keeping your money in a 401k, while I can put that on TikTok as well to get leads, I can utilize those same types of content concepts, re, um, reposition them a little bit and then put them on LinkedIn to show my authority in the life insurance space. And so that is kind of what you want to do. Or in my case where I'm trying to show my authoritativeness and authoritativeness, not like, not like, 
oh, authority. It's like authority. Like you people, when they think of you, they say, hey, that guy's really good at taxes. That guy knows governance. That that guy knows family wealth. That guy knows art. Those types of things. I just randomly pick some of those. Um, And so when you put that content on LinkedIn, you want to to show that so that when people start to see that, they start to associate you with those types of things. And that's what I mean by authority. So you need to make sure that your business, you and have a plan for LinkedIn creators. And I would just say, start pushing content on there and then just kind of re-look look at it like a feedback loop and start getting better and better out. And that's going to continue to get stronger um, as we move into twenty, the end of 23 into 2024. Um, and then we're going to see, um, you need to 23 in 2023 into 2024, we're going to get a lot of storytelling. Um, one trend that was in 2022 that is taking off in 2023, that's going to continue to get stronger is the concepts of selling, telling a story midway through instead of at the beginning, beginning. So really the story is the, it's the ultimate hook, whether it's decoding a trending topic or sharing a soundbite that's, that's bound to stop viewers in their tracks and make them want to play catch up. So, um, so if you post something like catchy at the beginning, then you are going to the story and then you lead into the hook. So essentially it's like, I have this thing that's going to like show the problem, show, grab the hook, grab you at the very beginning. Then you're going to tell the story and then you're going to do the call to action for that. That makes sense. And so you want something at that, that front end to be very hooky. And then you could come back to that through the storytelling process and then do a call to action. So for example, like if I'm doing a World War III thing, I could be like doing a TikTok and say, oh my gosh, we're about to go into World War III. That's the like the hook thingy that grabs their attention. But then what I do is I do a storytelling to get to that, kind of like what I did in this art, uh, in this podcast about what's happening in Israel. And then I have some type of call to action if I have a call to action to, I don't know, subscribe to Bloomberg's or something. Right. And so that's the kind of storytelling that we need to tell when we're doing the short form content. And even in long form content like this, you need to have something that grabs them and then you need to tell a story to get to it. And then you need to do a call to action. Uh, and then some of the other things that are going to be more prominent is like, you've seen threads is out there. We're going to start to see more, more content be able to be pushed onto Twitter or X. So make sure that you have an X strategy in place. And again, you don't necessarily need to have, I would say you need to have a LinkedIn for yourself at least and building your authority and your brand. But for your business, it may not need all of this. You need to go find out where your people are and focus on them. One of the things that's been great for me being a millennial is that I have not been utilizing Facebook as much as I should. So I personally started doing a lot more brand stuff on Facebook and it's getting a lot more engagement because all of my friends were on there from when I was, you know, younger, right? When Facebook came out in 2005, I was uh, 2005, 23 or something like that. 23, 2002 is when 18, 19, 21, 2005, right? So in 2005, when I was 21, that's when Facebook was big. And so I should have been building this really big Facebook this whole time, but I didn't know any of this. And here we are, but it's never too late to start. And that's why it's important that you have, you start rather than not starting. So some of the things that you can think about going into 2024 is one, make sure that you have a, um, social media strategy, focus on, um, uh, uh, on, uh, what's the word on, on authentic content creation, right? Like new original content creation for what you're doing. And then secondly, make sure that you, if you're a business or if you're trying to make money, realize that you can make money as a user-generated content creator, or you want to find user-generated content creators to generate your advertising and then have them push that out on their platforms. But then also I would recommend them making some 
for you so that you can use those as ads on your platform as well or push through your plat your channels as well. YouTube Shorts needs to have a strategy. Um, and I think that you need to spend some time working on AI because it's going to continuously go mainstream. Um, and it's just getting freaking ridiculously huge. And then make sure that you have a LinkedIn strategy for yourself, at least. If your business is a business, you can probably have a LinkedIn business strategy. I would recommend that. Um, but you definitely want to have it for yourself and being able to show your authority as you build your personal brand because that can be beneficial no matter where you're at, whether you're working for someone or working for yourself and you're trying to create your overall brand. Uh, and so with that being said, as I always say, namo amira butsu, be thankful, grateful, and kind, and we will talk with you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Age of Jeremy. If you like this episode, make sure that you subscribe to it and give me a five-star rating if your podcatcher allows you to. Our opening song was Brave Faces, everyone, by um, uh, Spanish Love Songs. And our closing song was Illuminati Hotties, Threatening Each Other, Recapitalism. I like to use Zoom L8. I use Neumann microphones. I record on Steinberg's Cubase, and I use Waves plugins one last time. Namo Mirabutsu. Remember, be thankful, grateful, and kind. Bye.